Welcome to the Questionable to Return podcast, where three lifelong friends discuss Wisconsin sports and more. Now, here's your hosts, Andy, Mike, and Pete. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Questionable to Return podcast. I'm Andy, joined with my friends, Mike. Hi. And Pete. Hello. We're back here again to talk to you a little bit about, first, the Badgers get back on track and take care of Illinois. And then we're going to talk a little bit of NFL with the Packers on by. The Bucks remain undefeated and christen the Pfizer Forum. And then as everybody's kind of waiting to hear, the Brewers, oh man, year in review, eulogy, sad. So why don't we start off with the Badgers? Yeah, well, boys, the Badgers uh, controlled homecoming and their home field again. They won 49-20. to Badgers forced five turnovers, controlled the game, of course. Hornerbrook did Hornerbrook things, which is as expected. As expected. Three touchdowns, two interceptions. Taylor had 159 yards rushing, deal 111 with two touchdowns. Mike, you, you went to Madison, right? That's correct. How many years? Uh, five years in school and then another five just for good measure. How much of that do you remember? Not very much. But you went, you went there. You graduated, weekend, though, right? right? I did graduate. All right. I mean, you got I, that going for you. I learned almost nothing, but do have a degree. Not putting it to good use. But I actually went back to Madison yesterday for homecoming, tailgated. The highlight of the day was I ate a lot of breakfast sausages. It did snow. Snow was very fun in an October game. Yeah, it, it you don't just, see much snow in Madison. No, it, in, it, in October, it just kept it kept coming down. It started to stick. That's, that's, when all the, scary. that's when it gets scary at the point where we're in October, and you're like, that first snowfall, you think it's going to melt, but this one actually stuck? It started to stick. I was cheering very hard for no sun and the snow to stick. But, I wanted to see them shovel off the lines. That would have been probably... The highlight of the game every highlight you see though is, is it's sun you don't i don't, I don't think i saw because i wasn't able to watch the game i'm sorry sorry to all our fans out there you know the the three we have all our moms but um i was with uh my son in the sifa the very important sifa playoffs so uh I, did yeah they, i didn't did even they know it snowed there no they didn't win took a tough loss against bayview well, this is how out. exciting the Badger stock is that we think SIFA is actually a more entertaining <laughs> topic right now. Man, they had a good season though. You missed fun. out on the great time. I would I would sum it up as breakfast sausages and snow. That was homecoming. All right, moving right along. All right, perfect. We're done with Badgers. Okay. Well now with the now with the Packers on by, um, I think Lance Kendrick's drug bust is probably the highlight of the of the bye week. Yeah, it's kind of interesting though. It wasn't a drug bust recently. It was last year. It was a speeding. It was eighty one and a seven. He was going 81 and a 70, and uh, he had THC on him. It was a citation, $1,000 fine, I believe it was. Now, this happens a lot. It happened with uh, Geronimo Allison and Jones, where they were they were cited at first, and now they're getting popped for possibly charges. It'd be interesting what the NFL does with that if, they, if the country decides to make it legal. Well, some players do play in states where it is legal. So that starts to make it a little bit of a gray area. For and I know the NFL teams. kind of talked about being it's a company policy that they're going to remain and keep it. But right. I wonder if they've caved to peer pressure. Uh, they might have to. But now that the Packers are on an actual buy, let's talk a little bit of NFL in general. What are your guys' feelings on the AFC? Who are your favorite teams? Who do you think is the front runner? 
as we're speaking now, Kansas City is taking it to Cincinnati. It's hard to not like the Chiefs to take the AFC, especially if they have home field. I guess the debate would be right now Chiefs versus Patriots. Yeah, that would that would be it for me. I mean, I w- the Chiefs and Patriots played what last week? It was 43 to 40. That game was insane. Uh I I just really think the Chiefs have I can't believe what Mahomes is doing and it's hard for me to to vote against them right now, right now. Yeah. But I mean, they did lose against the Patriots. I, I right. do agree with you guys. I mean, Arrowhead's a tough place to play. Mahomes looks lights out. I wonder what happens if the pressure will ever become too much for him when it gets later in the season and, and the must-win games. Right, and Bill Belichick already had one chance to get a good look at him and scheme against him. I, I do think the Patriots would be the team to stop them. Right now, it just seems like the Chiefs' offense is so good. I don't know if that will change when it's cold weather, especially at Arrowhead. Yeah, I mean, it's hard with, with you have Kareem Hunt in the backfield. It looks lights out. You have Tariq Hill, who looks unstoppable, probably the fastest guy in the NFL. And Travis Kelsey, safety blanket, one of the best tight ends in the NFL. That's a tough offense to stop. But yeah, I'd have to pull up the exact strength of schedule for the last of their games, but they play against the Broncos, Browns, Cardinals, but then they have Rams, Ravens on their schedule. So they do have some tough games coming up, but they still have to play the Raiders twice. Who knows Who knows what the Raiders are doing now, you right. know? But I, I think they, they have the easiest road to, the, to be the one seed still in the AFC. Right. That's why I would pick them right now. I think they will be the one seed, and it'd be hard for me to bet against them as a one seed in the playoffs. All right, so, Mike, you're taking the Chiefs. How about I Pete? Chiefs. Are you also with the Chiefs? Um, yeah, I... I I like the Chiefs a lot, but just looking at the Patriots schedule too, they they don't they don't really have anybody tough too. So it's gonna I think it's gonna be close, and I think it might come to to their head to head. So I, I but I think I'm gonna pick I'm gonna pick Chiefs. I can't pick the Patriots. I hate the Patriots so much. All right, I can't so stand it. Are you gonna disagree with us? Oh, I you? am for yeah. sure. <laughs> I'll be the guy that takes the Patriots. Um, I know it's gonna shudder every every one of our listeners here in Wisconsin. But nationally, I hope you guys can hear me out. So my son's a big Patriots fan. Um, he's a huge Packer fan, so it's not a, like the team of the Patriots. He's a big Gronkowski smash guy, and Tom Brady's a dreamboat. I would imagine Gronk is a lot of eight-year-olds' favorite player. Oh, Gronk smash is his favorite thing. You'll play Madden, and you're so excited to get touchdowns and watch him do the smash move. I once played a game of Madden with your son where we were on the same team, I let him be quarterback, and I was a running back. I got the ball zero times because every pass went to Gronk. And I bet he had, <laughs> I bet he caught every ball. Gronk and, and probably scored fourteen times. Yeah, that was the game. He's pretty excited because he just played a Super Bowl um, with the Patriots, and they won seventy-nine to thirteen against the Rams. So if that's any preview of what Super Bowl could be like, I feel really bad for the Rams. So it's talking Super Bowl. If it's Patriots Rams, does that book end? Like the career of Bilicek and Brady for their Super Bowls, that would be very interesting. Is, is it was that Comes the first circle. was that the first Super Bowl Greatest show that they turf? played together? I yeah. mean Brady and Bilicek. I guess. Yeah, that was. Uh, they upset the Rams, who were around two touchdown favorites. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it would be really fun for that to happen, and then they retire, and that's it. Just beat the Rams twice. I don't know. I don't know. I I still go with the experience of the Patriots. They have been there before the whole team's been there before they have veteran talent 
um, it's hard to it's hard to vote against Brady until somebody dethrones him. That's a perfect argument for the Patriots. So until somebody drives a stake in their corpse and they get taken out, I, it's hard to go against them when they get down to a must-win game in the playoffs. I completely understand that. Don't try to predict the Patriots' demise because people have been trying to do that for years already. You just it'll happen eventually, but don't bet on it well, happening. As long as the Browns are around, they'll they'll always just help out the Patriots. Oh, the right? Browns. So today they go have another overtime game, makes it four. There has been an overtime game in every week this year, so seven weeks straight of having an overtime game, and they lose in heartbreaking fashion again. Oh, did you see? Did you see Baker Mayfield's face? Yes. And it was oh glorious. my God. It looked like how I looked at the game at the Brewer game yesterday. <laughs> That's <laughs> how I felt. I know how Baker Mayfield felt because after that catch from Taylor, we have a new I, meme. Oh. Baker Mayfield face. <laughs> oh man, it's so bad. As a as a Cleveland fan, you have to appreciate having a quarterback that feels as miserable as you do watching <laughs> right. that. That was Baker Mayfield fully understanding Cleveland sports now. But it was funny because we're we're in one of our fellow super fans' basement, and he has four TVs going. So we're watching Red Zone. We're watching a, just a separate game here and there. I swear, ab- I swear for for at least ten minutes straight, we saw Baker Mayfield's face pop on every single TV, and then we had That's the amazing. mix on four TVs. We had him just pop up all over in that highlight. Andrew Siciliano could not get enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> it was insane. That guy is hilarious. So I have nothing else to say about the AFC. I think we'll see how that goes. So Mike in the books for the Chiefs, Pete in the books for the Chiefs, and I'm the lone Patriots guy. So you guys will owe me a water come come postseason when my Patriots beat your Chiefs. That's an acceptable bet. I could yeah. pay up. I like All right, that NFC. All right, let's go NFC now. Man, NFC is kind of a mess right now. I, you have the top two, which is of course the Rams, who we play next week, and uh, the Saints. Right, they pulled it out. So you have you have Rams and Saints, and then it's kind of just a bunch of three and two, three well not three three and two and one. We don't want to talk about that, but four two four and two three and three. So right because the Eagles, defending champions, have a losing record. Everyone was counting on them to be in the mix for a bye. That's not happening. The Vikings, who were the other team that got a bye last year, have got off to a little bit of a rocky start they seem to be bouncing back I know their offensive line has been a mess with giving up sacks so it's some of the teams I think everyone was banking on being good at least now aren't playing that good of football that could certainly change yeah you could even put the Falcons in there with two they're two and four right now um yeah they were a playoff team last year right so other than really the you would think the Rams come out at this. They look like a big powerhouse. Yeah. I, I don't. Is anybody going to beat them? I guess that's the question. So the Rams are definitely the darlings. But I think after you see what the Saints did today and again, an experience of Jabriz and that team, the defense seems to be cutting on a little bit. Did they now become an interesting contender? I think you have to put them at least close to the Rams because the knock on the Saints has always been playing outdoors. They're not as good outdoors. They went outdoors. In Baltimore, who had a very legit pass D, I think they were tops in the league at least in terms of yeah points scored. They only have twelve points. They're they're tops in the league defensive wise. That is nuts. So to go on the road in Baltimore, and pull I would up sell them, my soul for a defense like that right now. Like, yeah, seriously, the Ravens are back defensively. Yeah, and and they beat 
that team. So that's an impressive road win for the Saints. And that did change the way I felt about them a little bit. Yeah, they kind of took that that first week, 48 to 40, and we were like, yes, we're going to have a great pick because we do have their pick next year. And now it's looking like we're going to get 30. Yeah, it's like (laughs) it's a it's a end of the draft last three pick in the first round easily easily and what's interesting is i don't think you want to play in new orleans so no it puts a lot of pressure i think on the rams to stay almost undefeated because you have the saints at five and one after their wins in baltimore it's a tough division because you have carolina at four and two i mean i don't think i at least i didn't see the nfc south being that competitive well i was a little interested just looking ahead though i mean you have the saints and rams do play each other uh, the week after the Packers. So they play each other on November 4th. And that is at Saints. That's a huge game then for playoff seeding. Yeah, I mean, from the NFC South perspective, like I didn't, I, I expected to see the Falcons there. And I know their their defense was decimated with secondary injuries. Yeah. They but lost. I never expected them to be last in the South. And I didn't expect the Panthers to be second. And I didn't, I didn't expect the Saints to be number one in that division. And even now with our NFC North, like that's even somewhat wide open. It doesn't seem like the West or the East will produce a wild card, at least right now. That does make the Packers, even as poor as they've played at times, in the mix for a wild card. They have to be. I think seeing the Redskins at 4-2 and two at top of the East makes the sting a little bit less of the loss to Washington. I mean, they. it depends what team you get when Washington plays. You can get the Alex Smith, I don't know how to play quarterback team, or you can get the one where game manager lights out, look competent, can score, good defense. So if everyone had to pick right now, it, there's can't come up with an argument to pick against the Rams? I don't think so. I think I think the Rams are going to – I don't even think they're going to lose. That's my, that's my bold pick, I guess. Is, you're calling it. You're calling, I'm calling it. I'm calling Bold undefeated. Pick. Take it to Vegas. Take it to Vegas. <laughs> I'll jump in and I'll, I'll I'll agree with you. I say the Rams are it. Um, I think any of you guys remember talking to me for the last couple of years. I'm a huge Sean McVay fan. Yeah, I was a big fan of them when he was in Washington, and I've like him even more the more I see him. Last year, I liked him. What he how he turned around the LA Rams. I think you looked at how incompetent Jeff Fisher was day one when that guy walked in the in the room. I think we were watching, what is it, All or Nothing on yeah. is it HBO? Or no, it's Amazon Prime. Amazon, yeah. So watching even on HBO, the hard knocks, and then going right into All or Nothing, it's amazing that that guy had a job. Yeah, it's night and day difference. Uh, Jeff Fisher to Sean McVay. And I don't know if you guys have seen the YouTube video that's gone viral where he remembers plays from Washington. Just, yeah. Just they, they just talk about a play that happened years ago, and he knows exactly where it Exactly what play was called, what the situation was, and who it went to, and what was the result. Like that is insane. And I wish the Packers had a coach that was just half as competent as Sean McVay. Right. I think everyone would kill for that right now. So I'm a big fan of the Rams, and again, I'll go to my son, who's a good predictor of talent, in my opinion, as an eight-year-old often is. And he is a huge Rams fan, huge Rams fan. He's a Brandon Cooks fan. I think he, he was cheering today when we were watching Red Zone, just excited to see. He's on his fantasy team. So at that alone, I can't, I can't say no to the Rams. So even an eight-year-old can see it. It's Patriots, Rams, Super Bowl. Which is really sad. 
as a Packer fan because I had, I had decently high hopes for this season. I thought with a new defensive coordinator in Pettin that we we're going to see a little bit of a turnaround. I just I don't know how Mac survives this season unless they make it to the playoffs and exit round one like a stereotypical. Yeah, I even wonder if he would last through that. But I guess we'll we'll see as the season unfolds exactly how hot Mike McCarthy's seat gets. Well, talking about hot, the Bucks are hot. They're on a two and zero streak here. They're still on, pace, still, still, still on pace. pace to break the record for all-time wins. In this that season. was insane. Did you guys watch the Pacers game? Yeah. I watched some of it, yeah. So that was pretty amazing show they put on to christen the Pfizer Forum. It was fun to watch. Giannis so, led the team with uh, 26. He had, I think he had 22 in the first half, and then he kind of died down a little bit. But Middleton had 23, and you had basically all their starters had almost had double digits in that game. Um they didn't. They did shoot forty-seven. Right? Do I have that right? 46. Yes. Am I reading that right? Forty or oh, forty-six? Forty-seven. I have forty-six. Forty-seven. Hey, hey. Does it matter? We'll they shot a, over forty. We will do a, a half. stack correction. Stack correction. They shot time. forty-six and a half threes. Forty-six and a half. There you go. They shot. Uh, yeah. That was like that. When's the last time they've done something like that? I don't know. That was fun. You can definitely see a change in philosophy with. Coach Bud compared to Jason Kidd. Like this team is coming out and shooting threes, especially corner threes. That is the goal on a lot of possessions. You either want a corner three or let like Giannis go to work in the paint. And what's interesting about that game is so they have all the adrenaline, the attention going to opening the new stadium, five serve forum, and then they come out and have a slow start. They they go eight zero. Pacers run, and then uh, Bud calls a timeout. They regroup, and then immediately Giannis just goes to work. They go right inside and get him the basket, scores, and then they go on their own 9-0 run and never look back after that. Getting up as high, I think it was a 28 at one point. Sounds right, yeah. And it just – it was fun to watch. We've actually seen them build up huge leads in both games. The first game they let the uh, Hornets get back into it at the end, but – there's been a lot of positives, I would say, so far. From Henson shooting the ball well. Yeah, it is interesting to see the uh, rotation. It seems like Henson is about the only guy that plays that can't shoot threes. It seems like everyone else has to be able to shoot threes to be in the rotation. Like That's the plus of having Lopez and Ilyasova is you can space the floor with those guys because of their three-point shooting, which you want so Giannis has as much room to work as possible. But, you know, in that game, Henson was two for three from three-point land. I mean, that was the talk. Even I, I heard Bud talk about it, that he was excited to see Henson come back in and shoot. Do you guys believe that can last, Henson shooting threes? Oh, no, I don't want him shooting threes at all. I mean, I don't know. I I just – I want – the guy I want to talk about is, is, is Thon. Why isn't Thon playing, for one? Why isn't he even dressed? Well – in the preseason, he had some knee soreness that we kind of figured out. But mm-hmm. I kind of think it has to stem to the summer of that FIBA, 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 F-I-B-A, what, what was it? The summer league he was playing in. Right. Well, he had that little skirmish, and I just think it's kind of like a team suspension because you have Wood, who's a little bit more healthy maybe. But I, I just want to see Thon in there and Thon shooting those threes in the inside-out game. I guess maybe what I'm wondering with Thon is he didn't seem to be able to play defense 
And if that's a really big emphasis with Bud coming into this team and kind of pushing for more of the basketball fundamentals, get the ball passed around, box out, get the board. Like He did not seem like that type of player last year. So if, if this is kind of like an awakening for Thon, like you need to put in the work to get playing time, it'd be interesting R- how that plays out. Right, because last year and even the year before when we had Greg Monroe, Henson has still seen time because he at least puts in effort on defense he might not be a great defender but he's better than some of the other big men we have which seems to be his biggest skill set is they put him in there for d i know he did make two three-pointers that last game i i kind of just feel like that was a fluke yeah I, i'm not likely. i'm not quite ready to be a believer and say he's going to no. be a space of floor if he is it'll be amazing no but, you want him to, that guy down low and blocking shots right and i think the that's paint. the main use for him and speaking of three-point shooting, as well as they've shot the three, Giannis 0 for 9 to start the season. <laughs> After a strong preseason yeah. showing for sh- being able to shoot the three ball. Yeah, he, right. was really, uh, cons- he was really working on that shot, too. That was like a main thing he was trying to work on. Right. Do you think he'll come around, or is he just not enough of a shooter? I think he should just drive to the hoop and dunk. Because that's what he has. That's, that's who he is. Just that that shot'll probably come, I think. I think it I think it'll come this year a little bit more. I feel bad for the NBA if that does come around and right. he's now a legit triple threat where he can shoot it through like how do you defend that as an NBA player? Like your seven foot can drive ball handle and basically posterize at will anyone. I don't know how anybody can stop that. Right. Because that was the talk this off season is if Giannis can pick up a three-point shot he's the mvp of the league i mean his moves down low are insane the way he way he can move in the air or just take that that second step and just shift totally around it's just it's it's mind-boggling like to see a guy that big do those things in the air and around people uh, he just can dunk over anybody like yeah that would be a scary thought (laughs) Just his like footwork that. and his steps once he picks up his dribble is so impressive every time. Like he always finds some way in using like a Euro step to just get into free space for like an easy just yeah. laying the ball it in just or even a so dunk. so simple for him. And that's, yeah. it's not, it's not simple. Like we, a couple of us have played basketball. We've all played basketball <laughs> in on the court. Like it's hard to move around on the court and move around people having that many people down low too, it he makes it look like he's slicing bread. It's just like nothing. He's slicing butter every time. He's just going through everybody. Yeah. Slicing butter is much better than slicing, slicing butter. Bread. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. yeah, I prefer to buy my Bread's bread pre-sliced. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. So with that, we're back to the sad topic. Brewers failed to make it out of the NLCS. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So now let's talk a little bit about the series, and then we'll move on to the year in review a.k.a. Brewer's Eulogy. So, Pete, you know a little bit about about this? Yeah, yeah. Well, let's first talk about Game 6 a little bit. We had uh, we had a homecoming of sorts. Uh, we got to come home for, for hopefully two games. Oh, it felt good. Yeah, it did feel good. I Just a little thing, little couple things about that game. We t- took control early in that game, scoring four runs in the bottom. We thought our, our killer, the Brewer killer, was back with freezing that, that top-inning home run. But Brewers took control. They they scored a couple late. Aguiar was probably the MVP of that game. He went yep. three for four, three RBIs, had the two-out RBI to start it. Right. Felt um, like the bats were coming alive. It felt like it was back. 
you know, yeah. after that game, they looked so aggressive in that game too. I mean, it, they were swinging at like first pitch, and it just it just looked like like everything was turning and everything was back. And uh, from that feeling, my my brother asked me to go to the game, game game seven. seven. Yes, so I reluctantly said yes, knowing knowing our super fan history of games going to games. We have a long history of going to see our favorite teams lose. Yes. Yeah, pretty As much. As a group, yeah. Um, and just in sheer numbers, most of those are actually Packers losses. Right. Packers right. road games, I have home been, playoff games. I have been pretty successful going to Bucks games, but Yeah, no, not me. Not me. Yeah. No, I've I've been to a couple. Right, so, I think so I've been to is. two two playoff Bucks games and they lost both of those. One was a Gary Payton year. And um, the other the, the other time I went to a Brewer playoff game, it was when I believe Markham pitched. I think it was Markham, Markham or Supan. Anyone, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They both doesn't matter. Lost. They gave up twelve runs that game, like right away, and it was just depressing the whole game against the Cardinals. Yeah. Yes. So, no. Yeah, I, oh, went to, I went to Game Seven. I went to Game Seven. My and this this was the first Game Seven in our lives, right? For the Brewers, yeah, yeah, we lost in Game Six in 2011. So, yeah, but it was—I mean, the place was electric. It was—you can't—I have no words to des- describe how it felt. I'm getting chills right now thinking about it because there's—I I have never been in a place so loud. It was and, just insane. And especially, Yelich goes deep in the first inning. That yeah. must be oh my the high God. of highs. People are feeling good. The you know, crowds in it. it ha- and then the. On Puig, it couldn't happen to a right. better person unless Manny Machado decided to play right field. Yeah, I I thought I would take a couple innings to lose my voice instantly. Right, right then I lost my voice. I was scream. We were all screaming so loud, and it's like everybody was a family slapping hands. We were all thinking like this is gonna happen. Yelich is back. The home run, it just squeaks over the fence. Every luck is on our side. He's back. He's daddy. He's back. This is what he He's does. Got it. We got it. Let's go. But um, yeah, the Brewers, you know, it, it came to that. Uh, they they got that home run, and it it still was it still was pretty electric. Like people, okay, two to one. They took Shasin out. We got Hater. Okay, we we didn't want that to happen. We didn't want to go to Hater that quick. Nobody did in that building. But right. they knew Hater's going three. Everybody knew Hater's going three. He, yeah. Will he go four? That's that's what a lot of people were talking around around me. Was will he go four? But and he looked good. I mean, he, he looked definitely really good. Yeah, he shut them down. Uh, Scope came in. Yeah, Scope, it. my favorite, my favorite brewer of all time. I think. So nickname Over. Yeah, so that's questionable. Why do you Scofer, think we're gonna call Council him. used Scope instead of Santana? So I think that he used Scope instead of it's Santana because I really feel like he wanted to use Santana in a bigger spot. It was only two to one. Right. Right, he's save, yeah, it was it only was. two to one. So to I think him. he was just trying to save him for a for a bigger spot down the line. He didn't feel like it Did, was gonna be two to one. Didn't so. Santana hit before scope? No. No, no, Santana was still available. He used scope as the first guy off the bench as a pinch hitter. Maybe he and didn't want to be tempted to use scope in a bigger situation. Maybe, but I guess the way I look at it as you can't be holding on to guys for later. That is the big moment. Two men on, and you're down by a run. Like as the game goes on, I know he's looking that you got to be kind of strategic about how you're gonna 
play out the rest of this game, but they went right to Hader. It's not like they tried to get cute and no. pitch like Peralta or something. No, they were just trying to win that game. And and I guess the more questionable thought was, okay, well, I forget what inning was, but it was when um, Yelich hit, got that hit. Yelich, Kane is on. Kane is on first, right? Or, or second. Doesn't matter. Kane is on. Yelich gets that hit, and it looks like we're going to tie the game up 2-2. And Taylor made the most amazing catch I've ever seen in a game. And what happened to me is what my sister described is a turtle going into a shell. I was depleted. That park was depleted. The air was out of it. The the magic was gone. Yeah, like that, that, the rest of the game, people were starting to leave. Like not not like leave leave. It was still pretty full, but I it think just that, wasn't. That team it was just gone. didn't. I mean, that was it. I I agree with you. I think the, that was a complete turning point where you just thought that was the best chance we're gonna get, especially with the way our guys are hitting that game. That that was the best chance we had to tie it up, and they stole it from us. Right and. Off the bat, you could tell he got a hold of it. And then as you see Taylor start going back, I was sure it was a double off the wall. Like oh, yeah, because the the path he took was so – it was kind of weird. Right. It, 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 I was in uh, the, the right – the first base side, and it just the path he took was kind of a loop almost. Right. And what's interesting is he had just moved to left field because they took Jack Peterson out of the game. Right. And he's in there, and he makes that catch. You never and know. If Jack's, Jack's Jack's not as as athletic as Taylor, probably right. And Jack Peterson is left-handed. It would have been backhanded catch. Very true. Yeah, I didn't think. So about you never that. know. It's just one of those things. I'll, as a Brewers fan now, we'll be thinking about that all off season because it did feel like, like you said, that took the air out of the building. As soon as it happened, it just felt like, like devastating. Like that was the turning point like the Dodgers are destined to win this game now yeah and then you get to the next inning and you why it's so questionable why do you go to Jeffress you have Knable Knable's your your he might have been your best pitcher other than Hayter right obviously so why you are going for this type of aggressive way of using your bullpen and you don't use Knable there. I don't understand. Before Jeffress even, Cedeno came in. Right. And Cedeno was not on the roster for the series against the Rockies. He got added for the NLCS. He had three appearances before game seven. He gave up a base runner every time. He hadn't been effective. He's supposed to be a lefty specialist. They bring him in and he immediately gives up a hit and gets pulled. It was laughable. Yeah. It was like this guy is on the route. This guy's making money just to throw one pitch and get a hit. And then Jeffress, who had also been a questionable reliever, going back, he's the only pitcher who gave up runs in the Rockies series. He's the one who gave up that big home run to Turner in game two. He had basically been removed from the closer role. Why did Council go to these two players, Cedeno and Jeffress? Is I, it? I have one. I have one sound effect. Ugh, that's yeah. all I felt as soon as I saw him come in. I'm like, what, oh no. Was he using the same philosophy as when he used scope? Is he wanted to save guys? I save them for what? That's that's what I can't figure you know, it's out. Like, there's no tomorrow. There's no, you need to stop the bleeding now. Yeah, and you know I'm scrambling to find it right now, but I'm pretty sure. I heard that Jeffress against Puig 
he was Puig was 0 for 5, I believe, in his career or or the series or something, and he struck out every time, right? So I guess that's the reason why. But as the analyst said, he every time Puig got at bat against Jeffers, his at bats got better. So mm-hmm. why don't you see that and just put Canable in? Yeah, I mean, they've seen him enough. You could tell Jeffers didn't have the confidence to, in that situation. You could see on his face he just did not. He didn't look like the normal "don't care" attitude, overpower. I'm going to take you out type of attitude. He looked a little bit more meek coming in to even throw, and you could just tell. I felt, and this may be playing Monday morning quarterback, but as, as soon as he walked in, I'm like, like I said, it's just like, oh, no. Like, oh, no. Like, this yeah. is going to be it. So in game 163, he was unavailable, and they later said it was for medical reasons due to uh, complications with epilepsy Yeah, that he's been fighting that. And ever since then, he did not look right in the playoffs. He pitched eight innings in the playoffs, 16 hits, four walks. I mean, that's absolutely unacceptable when the bullpen's the strength of the team and you have a whip that's over two. But that's when your team doctor and your pitching coach needs to step in and just, this is not the time to take a chance and risk it. There's You have a pl- you have a lot of other depth on that pitching roster. I would have much rather seen a Peralta come in there at that point. Right. And I know it's easy to now second guess every decision, but at the end of the series, did the better team just win? That's a hard question because you look at the stats of this series and it was nearly equal. Like it, it honestly, like you look at it game one, it came down to the Dodgers' bases loaded, and they couldn't get it hit. Game two, Turner's home run, pretty much debilitating at the end of the game. Jeffress gave it up. Game three, Jeffress nearly gives it up in the ninth. Dodgers can't come up with the big hit. Game four, Bellinger was boss. Of course, he was the MVP. He came up with two mm-hmm. huge catches in that game. Right. He had the winning hit. Uh, game five, uh, maybe leaving Woodruff in. For that that third time through, never never would leave a guy in third time through. Leaves Roger Finn, they get an extra couple hits and a couple runs. Game six, the quick start in Miller Park, kind of debilitated them. And then game seven, of course, I think the Taylor catch was was the backbreaker. Yeah, I think we've all watched enough sports to feel like that was just like a momentum shift. Like like we we were starting to get a little rally. We had gotten a couple base runners before now we had Kane on second Yelich rips what also looks like a double yeah like I like like the rest of the game sitting there I I couldn't get pumped up and it sucked because I was at a game seven NLCS and I barely stood up the rest of the game and my sister and brother are looking at me like come on we got this we still have outs I'm like yeah but there's there's a man in that bullpen his name is Kershaw and Kenley Jensen and it's gonna get ugly yeah. And it did. It got ugly. Yeah, because Jensen came in early, and it just felt like it was it, over it, at that it, point. Yeah, it felt like it was totally over. But I I kind of feel like at the end of the series, as I look back, that the Dodgers were just a more complete team, a more complete roster. I would hope so at a $220 million payroll. Yeah, that's a big advantage they have. I think my big thing was, I think for the Brewers, we were lucky to get – as much production as we did from six through, we'll call it eight, 
Not including the pitcher. I mean, how about, no, how about we, nine? Six through nine. I mean, even Woodruff coming in with hitting that home run and things Wade like Miley that. Miley had a couple hits. Right. I think last last podcast I talked about Miley being one of our our best hitters as far as even yeah. like batting five hundred. Yeah, Arcia ended up at three six. Move him up in the order. Yeah. But I think that leaves you a little bit optimistic for next year. Our, I love Arcia. His defense is is probably the best defensive player on our team, and he ended the season on a sixteen game hitting streak. Which is amazing. I don't think anybody in their right mind, if you just said, RC is going to hit a, have a 16-game hitting streak and be one of the best power hitters on the team going into postseason. And a guy who strikes out a lot against strikeout pitchers, he struck out twice in the whole series. And like, Moustakis and, and Aguiar had 23 between them. Led the team in home runs in the postseason. Yep. He had yep. as many as he did all regular season, three. I mean, it's just crazy how, I mean, how he did. He did his time in AAA coming back up. You're like, okay, he's on the roster because we need the defensive glove. Like, he's one of the best defensive, like, shortstops. But, he, like, he was lights out at the plate. It did feel like in some of these playoff games, once he made a couple nice defensive plays, you started seeing him get kind of his swagger back. Right. So so let's say let's say the Brewers win game seven. Who Who would have been MVP? Arcia, that's a good question because yeah, no one jumps to mind right away. You don't think Hater? I mean, maybe the the whole talk of the Brewers is always their bullpen, so it probably would be tempting to pick Hater. Yeah, I, I just an interesting question for me. I'm, I don't know because we're talking Arcia and Arcia did amazing, but I don't know. Every time Hater came in, he just shut him down. He had seven innings he pitched. 12 strikeouts, only one walk. Yeah, that's those are impressive numbers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I liked I liked Hater's performance and yes, you had confidence going in. My thing with Arcia was came up big defensively. Like you weren't ever concerned when a ball was hit to that side of the field. Like you knew he was going to be there turning being able to turn in the middle infield turning double plays and his like his bat. I don't even you I don't even think you get to game 7 without his bat. Yeah. Well, is that a problem for the Brewers, though, that someone like Hader, a relief pitcher who's not your closer, is even in the conversation for MVP? Are they, are they lacking a, a go-to hitter? Was it just not timely hitting? Because the offense certainly had some stretches where the bats were just ice cold. I think that's one of my things I was going to review in kind of our, our season review and outlook for next year. I think... The Brewers' biggest weakness was exposed by the Dodgers, and it wasn't what a lot of people are thinking. I think some of the fans got a little sick and tired of the bullpen ball, and it's not, I don't think, a big arm starter that you need to do to compete with a Clayton Kershaw or Ryu um, or even Bueller. I think it's actually that they got exposed for not having the offense to even compete long-term with the Dodgers. I mean, if you look at the Dodgers 1 through 8, I think no matter who they subbed in, I think you're at risk of seeing a guy that hit almost 20-plus home runs. I don't think they had a player that hit much less than that. There are, the guys who didn't are Chris Taylor, who had 17, and then Justin Turner, who was hurt, hit 14. Like, that's nuts. Yeah, and Machado hit 13 in 66 games with them. So, And we have a bunch of players that can't hit left-handed pitching. Yeah, and they had three left-handed starters we actually did do pretty well against Ryu surprisingly yeah they they attacked him early though they attacked that that change up or they had a much better feel for Ryu but 
Kershaw in his second start and Rich Hill. Really oh man, Rich Hill makes me sick. Can't stand that guy. Just the, <laughs> I, hate, I just hate him. Just nothing I, but I do love a good blow up in the bullpen seeing bubblegum fly all over the place. I gotta I, admit. We have to go over one day like the best blow ups in the bullpen because <laughs> there are a lot of them and yeah. that one was pretty epic. Yeah. Do you not like Rich Hill just because of it nothing but seventy five mile an hour curveballs and ninety mile an hour fastballs occasionally? <laughs> no, that's, he he was a cub. Oh, okay. That, that's, that's fair it. enough. That's it. But the curveballs do make me sick. He throws so many curveballs. He's so many. Like, how is his... I mean, he's had Tommy John surgery. Like, how how is his arm even... Like, you watch that... You watch that that slow-mo of a guy throwing a curveball, and it's just... You see the veins in the arm, and oh. you just see it just gyrate in ways that arm shouldn't move. Well, I believe some of the advanced stats that track uh, spin rate is... Rich Hill's curveball had the highest spin rate in baseball. It was as high as any pitcher. That's how much rotation he gets on a, a curveball. So that's why it's his go-to pitch. Why are He's we just... keeping track of that? That's crazy. <laughs> because there's now baseball is a game of numbers and stats. And whatever happened gonna... to the days that we just got our baseball and glove and bat and went to the right. went to the good old Jason Morgan Field? Right. If a uh... If a stat wasn't on the back of a baseball card, it wasn't real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Morganfield, sorry. Now damn, you, damn you, baseball reference. Yeah, now yeah. we're getting into meta sabermetrics. You know, it totally makes sense. You don't see any kids out in the field out there anymore. It's kind of depressing. They're all just, these kids have, have, have just pl- phones in their hands, and they, they are doing the advanced <laughs> sabermetrics. That's because all the kids now are playing club baseball, and they're playing 80 games a year. Very true. Very true. So I just want to put the nail in the coffin on like the pitching thing and not having offense. I mean, here's the stats that I have. I mean, Tyler Anderson held the Brewers to one run on four hits over six innings in game two of the NLDS. They were able to rally against the right-handers of Colorado and able to sweep that. And then you go into the NLCS with one of the greatest left-handers of all time. Kershaw was effectively able to keep the bench of the Brewers at bay. He kept Travis Shaw at vast majority of the series. He was neutralizing Yelich. And he basically rendered Mike Moustakas a useless hitter in that series. So unless we figure out a way to hit left-handed pitching, it's going to be a painful run. Now, it's not something I don't think they can change next year. I think that it's something they could probably address by signing someone that can hopefully hit better lefties. But it's nice to know that pitching, I don't think, is a weak point in the Bruce roster coming in 2019. I actually feel pretty good about the pitching going forward. I feel like we have enough arms that it's not too much of a concern. Like you said, though, yeah, Moustakas and Shaw, once you get past the top of the order, it's like Christian Yelich can hit left-handed pitching, but you worry about any other left-handed batter. Yeah, very true. But, yeah, you have – I mean, you look at it and losing Jimmy Nelson for the whole year – and then you lost Davies and Suter and guys. I mean, we didn't expect them to be aces, but you know, you expect them to contribute. You lose all those guys, and look at what the Brewers did. I mean, you cannot be disappointed with what this team did. Game seven losing sucks, but that that series was amazing. It was a back and forth cat and mouse game. It was people making substitutions, which never happens in baseball. It was like they were switching everything. The Dodgers. They were just bringing in. Freeze only had like six at bats up to like game six. It was just crazy. Yeah, they, I mean, they set a record for most pitchers used in a series by game six. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a series like that. Like, Council switched the script on how to manage a series. Right. 
doing stuff like the Wade Miley faces one batter, and uh, I heard Council talking about even having Woodruff kind of secretly warm up because they didn't want to tip their hand at all, that he was actually down in like the clubhouse stretching, and not until they exchanged lineup cards did they want to even let on that uh, Woodruff might be coming in the game early. Well, that, it, it, it goes to think, though, is MLB going to change rules because of what Council was able to do with not announcing his starter until, like, hours before and stuff like that because and that that is a big mind flip for teams and coaches, and they go by all these sabermetric stuff now. And I, you, I wonder, though, because, I mean, you have to think – I think you'd have to have a lineup card ready to go with a multitude of different – pitchers whoever they decide to go with i'm not sure if it's that big of a deal but i I do think maybe plays in a player's mindset that not knowing who they're going to face potentially getting either i'm going to start now i'm not because the last minute picked a pitcher that wasn't supposed to pitch right and the rays were trying this with pitching relief pitchers they call them openers instead of closers and maybe in the american league it's a bigger deal because with the dh your lineup's a little more set day-to-day versus the National League, you you just have to have a more reliable bench because they're going to play more. Yeah, yeah. So maybe this is something going forward that you start to see more of, which then makes it interesting because what does that do for contracts? Should Hader be getting top money if he's right? If he's going to be like the best relief pitcher in the offseason? Yeah. Before we get into like a season season review season next year, twenty nineteen. Can we just talk about 2011 compared to 2018? These these two runs. Uh, you think of the Brewers back in 2011, how they were pretty much the same team as the Dodgers that we played against. And now you have the 2018 team, which is totally opposite of 2011. We just lost kind of against, kind of against that 2011 Brewers team. So. In 2011, I felt a lot different. I felt there was a lot of pressure to win that season because the window was closing prince fielder was in the contract year he ended up leaving 2012 grinky was heading into the final year in 2012 where we knew he was going to be traded because we couldn't resign him prince was already going to walk so grinky was someone we had to flip for something and just the age of a lot of our best players were approaching 30 you never know who's going to hold up into their 30s. Some guys yeah, like Braun yeah. did. He's an MVP-type player. Some guys like Corey Hart, Ricky Weeks didn't so much. So I feel this is – I feel much more optimistic going forward. That season felt like that's it. We missed out. We're yeah. never going to win a World Series. Yeah, you or, knew you were going back into rebuilding yeah. mode yeah, at that they point. Had 28, 2008, 2008 when they had their first playoff. And that, that kind of felt like, okay, after that – they should have had a run, but they, they didn't have that run. Yeah. Now, if if we don't get that run now, it's going to be a huge disappointment, but it's a little bit different uh, philosophy. One thing people need to keep in mind is that progression is not always linear. Just because we could be a better team next year and lose much earlier. It's, we're not guaranteed to like oh, yeah. go to the World Series as the next step and then win the World Series. You know, Hopefully you're trending up. Right but there's going to be some peaks and valleys along the way. They could be a better team next year, and maybe they win 85 games because of injury. Maybe they don't make the wild card. It's going to feel devastating if that happens, but that is a possibility. Yeah. I just 
hope we continue to see improvement from some of these young players. Yeah, I think we're assuming we're going to get some improvement, at least from pitching staff. I think we were kind of excited about some of these young arms that we have, but right. they very easily could get thrown into a starting rotation situation and not turn out to be what we're hoping for. I think what's interesting is it going, I think like Pete, you mentioned, like we got just seen turn, to be, turn into be an ace for us, but he was signed as a number four. Coming in, Miley it was a minor league contract, and we brought him up and, right. and got struck gold with him, but I don't think that happens again. It'll be interesting to see what happens next year with that. I don't think, like you said, I don't think we need to get overly – I'm excited. I'm really excited to see what 2019 brings. I'm excited to see what moves they make um, during winter meetings. But you're right. Like we, this, was our, this was our chance. You very rarely get to see getting into the championship series one game away. Uh, I yeah, that's why it hurts so much because win now. Like you can always say we're still going to be good next year, but so are the Cubs, so are the Dodgers. You know the Braves are on the rise. The Phillies are finishing up a rebuild. The Rockies are good. You never know. We, you know we might, or you could go into a series next year and you lose in the first round. Right. So it always hurts. You always just want to win now. Don't don't think about the future, even if it's optimistic and. That's why a game seven is it's crushing. We now know what it's like to lose a game seven as a baseball fan. And I just want to, can I just do one thing here? I just, to our fans, all of our millions of fans out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just Hi, amazing. Gra- Hi, thank Grandma. you. Thank you everybody <laughs> for listening. Thanks pops. But I want to apologize to everyone for losing this one for the team. Because yeah. a super fan is not allowed. Pete brought the curse. And I went to Miller park, but, but now, you know, I do blame my sister for bringing up, that I wasn't wearing the same outfit I was wearing the day before. And immediately I knew we were going to lose. So it's just superstition. <laughs> I'm we, pretty bad with that stuff. So in my head, I was like, I was already anxiety. And we have plans seven. in place for the next game seven. We're locking you in the trunk of a car for the whole game. You can listen on the radio, though. Okay. All right. Perfect. Agreed. I'll take that. I mean, at least I can hear it. So I guess <sighs> we'll jump into... 2019 outlook for specifically next year uh the biggest thing is probably what does the rotation look like we've got Chassin, nelson but then some interesting guys chase anderson zach davies is wade miley back junior guerra those are all the veterans and they would have to beat out Peralta, Woodruff, potentially Burns for rotation spots. So that's about is it eight pitchers for five spots. That's a good problem to have, especially considering that if someone like Woodruff or Burns isn't in the rotation, I feel pretty confident about them being in the bullpen. Yeah, I think I think the thing to look at too is there are a lot of pitchers gonna they're gonna be available free agency and who becomes available trade wise too because you have all those pieces where you kind of feel more comfortable trading a Peralta maybe because you have Burns and you've seen what Woodruff could do and do you, you then you get into this trading stuff that that Stearns really has done a great job with in the past already but yeah starting pitchers wise just looking at it I mean you have Patrick Corbin. Dallas Kuchel, Clayton Kershaw, J.A. Happ, Charlie Morton, Lance Lynn, I mean, Sabathia. There's some guys out there that have proven that you can maybe just get a cheap arm too. So 
We'll bring Sabathia back. We'll yeah. win it for her. Bring the band back together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Marco Estrada's available too, so. Would you think Stearns would trade for a pitcher, given we made quite a few moves at the deadline this year? Do you think he would pull the trigger, or do you think he'd rather just keep the farm system stocked with what's left? Because we have guys like Keston Hiera, who's supposed to be our second baseman of the future, waiting down there. Corey Ray, who's an outfielder. There's Zach Brown in terms of pitchers. And there's not a lot of arms left. Most of them have been called up or traded. So he yeah. plays. So Zach Brown plays baseball while he's not singing. Yeah, yeah. He uh, a little chicken fried. Dual threat. Yeah, I don't know. I. What do you? What would you like to do? I mean, would you like to see him make a move for a, a big-name arm and, and kind of give up a little bit of the farm system, or would you almost like to see what happens? So the, all the talk would be about DeGrom, I feel like. He's always the big name. He led the National League in ERA, but I think the Mets would want our top prospects. That would mean Keston Hira, and I would rather keep him because I think he's the second baseman of the future. Uh, going into the next year, Moustakis has a $15 million mutual option. I doubt we pick that up just because we're small market. That's a steep price. And we have Shaw still locked up, right? Yeah, so Shaw will go back to third. And then we do have Machado under control for another year. He is arbitration three. I don't know what he'd end up getting. He got $8.5 million this year under arbitration two. This is his third year of arbitration, his last year. So Did you just say Machado? Cut that. Scope. Jonathan Scope. <laughs> He's haunting you even in your dreams like, in your notes. His, I was like, because Machado is available. I his, didn't know where you're going. There. His face is burned into my brain because of all of his antics. <laughs> he single-handedly beat the Brewers almost. I was cu- I was curious if you knew something. This was like a hot take if we were going to be on the... Where are we going? Well, it's easy to get them confused because uh, in the playoffs... Both from How they is it easy great. to get scope did nothing? Oh right, oh, right. Oh, they're yeah. complete opposites. Scope yeah. went zero for six, <laughs> and Machado uh, got on base a lot. And what was in that cake? Heard our player. I hope no- it all went downhill after that. Euchre said, "Nobody eat the cake. Nobody eat the cake. Nobody." Eat and you listen to Euchre. Yeah. So scope, Jonathan Scope, the bad one. S C H O O P. He is arbitration three. I feel like we're kind of stuck with him now at second base. And I don't I don't I never thought that was a bad trade. I think he just wasn't the same person he was since in Baltimore that last that last run with us. I really do think he is a good ball player. I think you give him another chance and you, the, you take the risk on him. The larger sample size would say he's a good player. Yeah. He was Awful in the playoffs. I think with normal, regular playing time, I think he could be a good ball player. He's not a pinch hitter. I mean, not mm-hmm. a lot of players can do that. That it takes a different mindset to to be a pinch hitter. So he could be the kind of stopgap until maybe here. Uh, I guess that's what makes what Santana did in the playoff series all that more remarkable. Yeah, being able to hit over three hundred coming off the bench like that. Yeah, he really carved out a nice role considering. He was a 30 home run guy the year before, and then this year he basically just gets relegated to the minors. He's up a couple times, and to embrace that, you're going to be our top pinch hitter role and produce. Yeah, I think that's one nice thing about this team is they accepted the role in the, in the family. 
I mean, that was such a huge thing is that none of these players really complained about their role. And that's a, that's a prime example. Him and Arcia went down and up and they just kept stable and Canable, look at what Arcia did. Canable too. too. Same yeah. Thing, yeah. He yeah, lost getting... his spot because of injury. He didn't look like himself and look at, he was the best he, pitcher, what reliever of the month in September, in September. Yeah, he basically turned back into our closer. He was an all-star closer the year before, and that's who we're relying on late in games. It's yeah, easily he's your closer next year. I would think he's yeah, the number definitely. one guy right now. So, from a pitching standpoint, so it's nice to have the pretty much the rotation intact. Um, I think you're going to see Miley walk. I don't know. I don't think you bring Geo back. No. It's going to be pretty expensive. I think one interesting one is Soria coming out of the bullpen. Um, he's got a club option but it's 10 million i don't think i don't see you picking up that i think like moustakis that i think that's just a little too rich for the brewers so what do they do with jeffress jeffress has a club option i think it's 3.175 do you Je bring him back just as another arm out there jeffress definitely comes back at that price tag i think it's I think a no jeffress is the he the milwaukee's the only place he can play yeah it's proven that he gets in and, trouble other places i just think he's comfortable here because we have a more relaxed Yep. We won't. We don't know what's in that that purple juice box that was seen on TV. <laughs> we have a good police carpool program that they're <laughs> willing to drive you home. Now, Jefferson, yeah. if you're listening, we were just joking around. Right. Yeah. And we know you're you're a huge listener in the show. So Wisconsin cops are better at brushing things under the rug. Hypothetically speaking, we know we have no inside info. But for one third the price of Soria, I think he's back. He has to be. Yeah, he has to be back. Who else is on that list? Who do you got? Dan Jennings is an unrestricted free agent. He's, I mean, Jennings wasn't bad. I think he's probably gone, though. We still have guys like Sogard. Uh, Sogard. Uh, oh, I hope Sogard. you enjoyed your time, your 15 minutes of fame it was last fun. season. It was fun. Granderson, he's gone. Granderson's yeah, I loved gone. Grandy, man. Kratz. 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 Can we re we gotta correct yourself? That was a correction. You said Kratz. I know it's Kratz. You were thinking of Bratz. I know I was. So you were excited. so hungry. But oh. No, it's okay. But one cool story from the. I don't know if anybody else caught this in Game Six. Did you guys see that his friends from college made the trip down? Each one of them wearing a jersey from every team he's played with. Oh, yeah, nice. that was pretty cool. I, I saw that was some of the, the Kratz fans uh, in the stands. He had quite the following by Game Seven. I was a. Though I couldn't pronounce his name right now. <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of him, and I'm interested to see what they do with him because I, I think there's a bunch of teams that would look for veteran catcher help. But he did such a great job kind of stepping in, especially in the postseason, hit rather well. That was kind of unsus unsuspected. He's another one of like Arcia in that lower half that came through and actually gave production. But just his leadership of that bullpen and pitching, like pitching staff, I think that's completely – understated well i think lot. i think it comes down to nottingham what and, about and what he can do right what about steven vote yeah well i mean i, I hear he's i'm hearing his off. career's over though if that's the case then i guess he's out of it but i mean i he, thought that's what i read when when the injury kind of came down to that he was out the whole season it yeah. kind of sounded like his career might be over but i i guess if let's say vote is gone and it can't play anymore it, it kind of comes down to if Nottingham can make a step 
but I, I just don't see that happening yet. So I would think Pena and Kratz are your catchers next year. Yeah, I'm not ready to count on Nottingham. All right, let, let's just move to first base here. Like, what do we? Let's move position by position. We kind of did catcher there. Uh, first base, you have Aguiar, of course. Do does Thames stick stick around? He didn't play at all in the playoffs. Wasn't on the roster. You do have to wonder. Does he fit into their plans? I mean, maybe once Moustakis is gone, it opens up a spot and he plays more. But I don't, I don't know, because because yeah. uh, the backup first baseman was really Shaw. Right, right. But if he's going to be back at third full time next year, then maybe Thames uh, is back. And I, I, I think you have to keep Thames around, but that's my opinion. It'd be nice to have a nice big back coming off the bench. Yeah, I would have liked to have had him. In the NLCS series, yeah, it just takes. He could have struck out just as good as Scope could have. Right. You know, it, oh, man, there's so many little things that you can look at. <laughs> yeah. All right, second base, we kind of went over that. Scope, so, aka Scope Machado. Um, Scope Machado. We'll be back. Yeah, basically, basically Machado. Shortstop. Arcia. Arcia, yeah. He's Arcia Perez. Is Perez in, Perez is under contract, right? Perez is arbitration two next year, his second right. year of arbitration. He I, made he's so valuable. He went he made one point nine this year in his first year of arbitration. So going into next year, he'll get a little bit of a boost. But yeah, very reasonable still. So I guess that that's another question. Why didn't they go to Perez? They didn't really use him. Yeah, I was kind of surprised by that too. Is that I mean he wasn't hitting as well. He had one hit in the series, but it was kind of surprising. You had this ultra utility tool guy, and uh, it really didn't go to him much. They, they seem to really like saving Perez for double pinch, switches, pinch running, and stuff. For yeah, like they, if they got, got a him. lot of late t- late innings when they were ready to bring in someone from the bullpen, they would bring in Perez to play second for the double switch and move Shaw over to first. That seemed to be their kind of blueprint for closing out games. Is bullpen and improved defense if you have a lead right so i think again council is saving him for late yeah so now third base we have shaw uh shaw perez i guess right we kind of don't we kind of are in agreement that moustakis doesn't come back at that number yeah i really doubt it not unless he does like a favorable team option yeah i think he didn't help his he didn't help his chances at a big contract with how he played yeah I mean, the knock on him was he's got power, but he strikes out a lot. It's kind of surprising how good his glove was. I, I didn't know he had that good of a glove. Right, and I loved, uh, and I forget which game it was, when he made the error, and right after that, another oh, hard right. hit ball yeah. to him, and he made a great play. Yeah, he had like the short hop, and it kind of hit his glove weird. But to to bounce right back The same like ball, that. same yeah. ball. Yeah. yeah, that was pretty. that was pretty good bounce back. So we kind of went, well, we don't need to go over outfield. We all know it's not going to change. You have uh, Kane, Yelich, and Braun there with uh, probably a mixture of, I would think, Hart. Um, not Hart. Corey, Corey Ray. I got Corey Hart and Corey Ray. Now, I did it, too. Mm-hmm. There we go. We're, we're even. We'll fix all this in post. It's 1-1-0 one, one to zero right now. So, yeah, Ray. I think I would think Ray gets a chance because you don't have Phillips anymore, and, which just bums me out. I, I really like that guy. Yeah, because uh, the other guys in the mix are – Thames, Santana, Broxton. Yeah. yeah what do you do with Broxton next year? You trade him. I don't. I just don't think he has a spot. It's kind of tough. If yeah, if He's a team a good defensive if glove. is yeah, looking for like a 
but solid you, fourth or fifth Good outfielder. defensive glove, but your three starters are like gold glovers. I just worry about injury when it comes to yeah, like Braun. I mean, he's did relatively healthy this season for the first time in a while. Right, Do you run the risk of not having another legit defensive outfielder? Braun is always banged up. He seems to – their plan is kind of give him a, a day off once a week because he's just – yeah, they they used him pretty well this year, I thought. I think that was one thing during the season is they did give him those breaks when he needed them. They had Thames out there. You were like, oh, why are they playing Thames out in the outfield? Well, you know, Braun's he's older than us, right? I guess you also have, like, Santana. Yeah, 30, could also, 30 I mean, that could be your yeah, guy 34. if something happens. Yeah, yeah, Braun turns 35 in November. Yeah. So. And Aaron Rodgers turns 35 in December. So yeah. keep forever, that in mind. Forever older than us. Keep that in mind, yeah. Two – Two superstars. We're still Wisconsin young. We're still young, right? Are yeah, yeah, older than us. Except Giannis, he's a couple yeah. years younger. That's the NBA way, though. All young. So looking to 2019, boys, we kind of went over the positions, kind of went over our thoughts on it. What do you think they they get back? Do you think they get back? Do you think they can get to a World World Series? I guess. World Series is tough to call, to say. Yeah, you're gonna, not putting your bet down right now? No, I wouldn't bet them to make it. I think they'll be in the playoffs. I think they'll they'll be right there in, in the mix for the wild card, hopefully chasing for the division again. But it's not like the Cubs are going anywhere. They're going to no, have no, that's pretty much true. the same team back. Especially And the Cardinals coming off. I mean, their off-year rebuilding year was a game away. Right? Yeah, they like fire their co- they fire their coach. And they they just dominate the rest of the year. As it much was, as I, I hate, could not believe. As much as I hate to say it, they're just such a well-run organization that this seemed like a messy year for them with, yeah, changing managers, and they're still they're right still just play. locked and loaded, ready to go. Like you don't even know any of their players. Like it's amazing. And even the Pirates, I mean, had a decent season. Like they they seem to be right they, there. They kind of surprise people, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Diamondbacks, Braves. You know the Nationals are going to be coming back. You would think if they can sign Harper. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens next year. This, this, I hope the window hasn't closed <laughs> right away. But you got to take those opportunities. But you can't be disappointed. Yeah, I, I think the uh, the National League is is much more balanced. The American yeah. League seems incredibly top heavy. Right. Where the playoffs were set, you had the whole American League Central outside of the Indians with terrible records right. and the national league, there's a lot more teams in the mix. So yeah, playoffs are, they're not guaranteed. I would, I would say I feel fairly confident that they'll be right there though. They won't lose a hundred more than a hundred games like the Orioles, right? They, they were, we're okay there. We're okay there. I would Barring think over some 500. major streak of injury and some terrible. I would be major, right? A major. A contagious. Terrible, reg- terrible regression <laughs> in the pitching staff. A terrible case of contagious Tommy John. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Does Landry come in and talk to the team and say, it's contagious, man. It's, it's contagious. Contagious. It's everything you need to remember. Bless him. <laughs> I think 2019 is going to be an interesting year. I'm pretty excited for it. It'll, it'll be fun. I mean, this, this is a fun team. I think it's exciting. To, they're a fun team to watch. I think they like each other, which is awesome. They get along. It's hard not to like them. Feels right. like 2011, but not like the annoying kid just pulling at your, pulling at your, 
your, your pants kind of. It feels kid. good to have a young pitching staff. It feels great to have your best offensive players and defensive outfield locked up for what twenty twenty three. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a it's your core base, and you can only really add pieces or interchange pieces. It's nice to have that core kind of set. Yelich had an MVP season, and he's only making like ten million dollars. So, right going next year under ten million next year. And yeah, just the way the season ended hurt so much because of a game seven. But don't forget that the way the way we finished that run just to tie the Cubs at the end of the season to beat them in Wrigley to win the division to sweep the Rockies right. and then go up two one on the Dodgers. It was about the most fun like couple weeks I've ever had as a Brewers fan. Definitely. And I yeah, I mean just like Yelich's last quarter of the season. Where he really kind of came on out of nowhere, but really established himself amongst the elite players in the NL to take on, like you said, like the NL MVP. At the end of the year, I was saying, how did, did he, he turn cycle twice? <laughs> yeah, how did he turn into Barry Bonds? He had this stretch where all he did was walk and hit home runs. It was Nuts. amazing. Yeah, and everybody who and hated that trade and wanted Brinson, you guys can just not talk anymore that's why uh, brinson was all awesome. i love that trade i, I remember would, him in miami i think oh I'd my god almost always rather trade for the sure thing than the potential because half these guys these prospects bust even if they're yep. at the best prospect in your system half the time they bust right mm-hmm. so then do you trade some of the farm system for a starter that's yeah. what i'm but saying we'll i don't know we'll have a lot, we'll have a lot of talks a lot of talks about so, it so quickly before we exit world series predictions you guys can't see it, but I'm sitting here. I think everybody knows who I'm rooting for, if you guys want to say. I'm sitting in my Ted Williams Boston Red Sox uniform. I'm going to be all in for the Red Sox. As much as it hurts to cheer for an AL East team, I hate the Dodgers that much more. It's hard to not feel like we all hate the Dodgers. We hate Manny Machado. Puig is annoying. I also am sick of Boston sports fans, though. They've just had too good of a run with all their teams. I hate to say I kind of want the Dodgers to win. I kind of want the National League to beat. We're good. Then you and I can have argue debates. (laughs) Yeah, you guys can argue. Bucks and six. (laughs) Good prediction. Bucks and six. I am done with baseball. I'm not watching it. I can't take it anymore. Game seven wore me out. I want to see Boston stomp, like literally curb stomp the Dodgers. Can it end in a tie? (laughs) <laughs> just <be> sad. <laughs> can't happen mike and i will have this debate <laughs> i'm questionable to return the baseball talk there you go yeah i might have to be too after i can't remember anyone's name yeah you're done you're done you're in the done club what are we yeah. looking towards next week oh, we have four games of the bucks this week yeah we'll That'll be big big Packers game back. against the sixers on wednesday though right big game there go a little more in depth about the Bucks, Packers mm-hmm. have probably the toughest game of the season. Yeah, well, Adam, that game will be over by the time we were sh- talking this podcast, so it might be heavy Packers. Yes, about yeah. Packer yeah. depression. It, it might be time to hit the panic button. But also, there's something coming up. We haven't talked fantasy football and the story of Pinchy. Oh, and the Pinchy Bowl of Mike you guys and will be I. Excited about Mike this and line. I's matchup. So we'll, we might have something special for you guys next yes. week. You have we, to wait we for play that. For the so tune trophy. in. 
tune into this one, but Pinchy tune in next trophy, time. You'll learn who Pinchy was and why he has a trophy named after him. Yeah. Yes, you'll want to tune in story. to hear that backstory. So yes, maybe we'll do a little bit more fantasy talk. I think we're all big fantasy fans out there. I think if you want to reach out to us, you can definitely um, reach out to us via the mailbag. We have a mailbag email. It's mailbag at questionabletoreturn.com. You can also go to our website, questionabletoreturn.com, and hit the mailbag link, and you can send us a message. Uh, we'll definitely read some of those questions um, on our next podcast. You can look at us at Facebook at Questionable to Return. We'll see you next week. And as always, we are Questionable to Return. We're out. Goodbye. Hope springs eternal. <laughs>